Hey there, and welcome to the Rock Reavers podcast. Here we are all about believing and proclaiming the word. We're totally given to true worship and obedient in taking the gospel to the nations through missions. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope that you'll be blessed by this message. Amen. Amen. Put up the statement of belief. Just look at your neighbor as you wait for that and tell your neighbor fervent prayer. Look at the other one like you believe it and just say fervent prayer. Let's go. I am a winner. I am a victor and not a victim. I have changed my mind and my attitude to reflect what God says about me. My faith is built on God's word. I can do all that God says I can do. Nothing is impossible from this moment on. For I am a new breed, a remnant remnant and I am after my James before you sit on your name on your name is James chapter 5 verse 16 we recently downloaded the amplified version so we want to demonstrate to you that we are constantly moving forward amen confess to one another therefore your faults your slips your false steps your offenses your sins and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Now sit on your enemies. Amen, 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 amen. I must say I'm very excited this Sunday morning because, as always, your pastors woke up at 1 a.m. to pray for you and to trust God for you. And we are glad that you started coming to church at 10 a.m. Amen. Well done, well done, well done. Uh, just tell your neighbor, well done, well done. Oh, you're clapping for yourselves. Yes, clap for yourselves, clap for yourselves. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. This year is particularly interesting because before the year began, we made some declarations. And we made some commitment. And there are things that we said about this year that is already happening. One of the things we said is that this is the year you will not give up. Amen. This is the year. If, if you have been giving up in your life, if there is a year that there is a turnaround coming, this is that year. We also said that this year you will not wilt and die. But you will rise up and take the city. Because you are going to enter into God's purpose for your life. And we meant business when we say that. So in January we began by talking about how to manifest and the, th the interesting thought there was that the earnest expectation of the creature awaited the manifestation of the sons of God. That the world is waiting for you to manifest. That Kenya is waiting for you to rise up and to manifest. That Ruaka is waiting for you to manifest. That your workplace, people are waiting. God is saying that the earnest expectation of the creature awaited the manifestation of the sons of God. That there is a space that God has for us that we are going to enter into this year only if we are able to manifest or if we are able to rise up and to be counted. And that was the what or that was the tone of the year, what it is that we are aspiring to. Now the question then becomes, you are calling us to a place of manifesting according to Romans chapter 8 verse 19 but how then will we enter into manifestation how will I get to a place of dominance in business how will I get to a place of dominance in career how do I set myself apart how do I enter 
the place called a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Because that is what Jesus called us. He said, no man lights a lamp and puts it under the table. But what does he do? He puts it on top of the table that the whole house will receive illumination. You are a city set on a hill, said the Lord. The text said that we are a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And God is saying, come up, rise, and shine your light. But the question then becomes, how do I manifest? How do I manifest? What is the methodology of the kingdom when it comes to manifesting the light that God has placed in the inside of us? And we began to propose here that the first step to walking a life of victory and dominance is walking by faith. Praise the Lord. Because the just man shall live by, let me say that again, the just man shall live how? Will the just man live by budgeting? No. Will the just man live by qualification? No. Will the just man live by economic conditions? The answer is an emphatic no. Because the just man shall live by faith. This is particularly important because if I'm going to interact with God and receive from him, I must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. For me to engage with him, I must engage by faith. Faith then becomes the first step to manifesting. But Mark chapter 11 verse 24 says that I tell you the truth concerning that if you have faith, some version says, as little as a mustard seed, thou will say to this mountain, that take yourself, cast yourself into the sea, and it shall be so for you. Verse 24 says, and when you pray, you shall have your desires. That in the equation of faith, there is saying, thou shalt say to this mountain. In the equation of faith, there is obstacles. And if you're going to move forward, you have to deal with obstacles. Dealing with obstacles is what we must understand primarily to move forward. That no forward movement is easy anywhere on earth. No forward movement is easy in marriage. Marriage don't work by chance. Marriages work when you put in the work. That there is obstacles on every side. That thou shalt say to this mountain, that there is a saying, there is a mountain, thou shalt have, there is a receiving. And we said that if you are going to believe, there is no difference between you with the demons. Because the demons believe and tremble. But true faith is putting action to your belief. That in the kingdom of God, your love for God is not enough to determine your outcome. That there is responsibility that is placed on us. That our actions must match our faith. Then Mark said, but when you pray, that when you pray. And we want now to examine God's word concerning how then do we engage God in the place, in the place of prayer. How then do we come to a place where we can partner with God and cause change that cannot be denied. James said in James chapter 5 verse 16 that the effective prayer of a righteous man, who is a righteous man, that who has been declared righteous by the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. He said, that prayer has results. Meaning, every time you open up your mouth to pray, heaven has covenanted with us to have results. 
Praise the Lord. That means then that the man that walks in prayer can have results anytime he wants. Let me say that again. That the man that walks in prayer can have results anytime he wants. And today I want us to take time to look at the fervent prayer of a righteous man. The book of Acts chapter 12 shows us something that is not only profound, but is also instructive and informative to the keen Bible student. It is important now that I put the book of Acts in its proper context. Now you know very well as well as I do that the book of Acts was written by Dr. Luke. So it is a continuation of the conversation from the gospel. The book of Acts in most theological circles is also regarded as a transition from the synoptic gospels. That it's a continuation of the conversation. When you study the book of Acts chapter 1 verse 1, scripture says that the former things that I also wrote unto you about that which Jesus Christ both began to do and to teach. That the former things I wrote unto you, meaning this is a continuation of the synoptic gospels. The synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and not John. They are regarded synoptic because they are following a synopsis. In fact, and indeed, the Italian word for the word synopsis is the word synop, which means the concept or the whole view. That God, in interacting with us, was so careful that he ensured we have the full story. There's nothing as bad as walking on half a story, praise the Lord. I know people who are dating and, and, and you have experienced cold turkey, you know what I'm talking about. Because all of a sudden somebody is showing you some facial expressions and the reason is of half a story. Half a story is dangerous. I know you heard me. There's nothing as dangerous as half a story. Praise the Lord. So the, the word synopsis means the whole story. And the idea then is that when you study Matthew, Mark, and Luke, there is so much interdependence in the literature that if you were to look at them parallelly, you will notice that there is interdependence of thought, interdependence of theme, interdependence of idea and of conviction. Theologians and scholars alike have come to a place where they ask themselves, the question is, how can three different men tell the same exact story? And it's become a trouble because the, 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 the synoptic gospels are regarded as one of the most uncompromised, literally enigmas of all time. That when you examine Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it is shocking to the human mind and stretching to the human soul because of the literally excellence that is imbued therein. And scholars have begun to now give some solutions to try and reconcile. How is it that these are three distinct men, but the voice is one? And they have proposed a solution, and they call it the Markian priority, which suggests that the book of Mark was written first, and Matthew and Luke were just copycats. Whatever it is, 
It is clear from the book of Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1 that God who at sundry times and in diverse manners has spoken to us by the prophets and the patriarchs as in these last days spoken unto us by his son, Jesus Christ. What they do not see is that it is not Matthew, Mark, and Luke that are speaking, but it is our Lord Jesus Christ. It is here that we understand that the primary purpose of the gospel is not to present to us a person. It's not to present, sorry, it's not to present to us promises. It is not to present to us rules and regulation, but it is to present to us a person. His name is Jesus Christ. It is here now that we find ourselves in the book of Acts, which is like Luke chapter 25 now. Because as good Bible scholars, you know, Luke has how many chapters? If your boyfriend or husband can't answer that, lay hands on them. Get some oil and pour some oil on them and say, no wonder the results you have. <laughs> so Luke closes at Luke chapter 24 with the death, burial, and resurrection of our, Jesus, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus says something that is instructive. He says, tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Tarry ye in Jerusalem. King James language. NIV says, but wait in Jerusalem. I want you to go and conquer the world, but before you go, I want you to wait. But I don't want you to wait for your breakthrough. I don't want you to wait for your prayers to be answered. I want you to wait for me. Say it differently. I want you to wait for the empowerment that comes from heaven. And we, we are introduced to the influence of the Holy Spirit by the position of waiting. That if God is going to do anything in our lives, patience then becomes the substratum upon which heaven interacts with us. Faith is now, but faith works with patience. So Luke 24 closes and now we are in Acts chapter 1. And when you enter the book of Acts, it begins and the teaching is around the power of the church, the empowered church. I know you remember Acts chapter 2. Scripture says, and when that day was fully come, they were gathered in the high room and they were praying and seeking God. Then scripture said, and suddenly there came a voice as of a mighty rushing wind from above and each and every one of them was filled. Scripture says that there appeared cloven tongues as of fire on their heads. If you will not wait, you will not be filled and the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, for us to come to a place where we can demonstrate the strength of God in our day to day, then we must embrace waitings. There has to be a quiet place. The challenge is that our lives are too loud and, and the TV is on and they have to get on with Netflix and, and, and Instagram is on. You know, I was looking yesterday evening, if you follow Chesa Kweu, he was disturbing. He was disturbing us on Instagram because I wonder, this shirt, is this shirt from Brazil? Is this shirt from Jamaica? Whatever the case is, the shirt is doing a good job at reducing <laughs> my attention to the things of God. And there's noises on every side. That I can be asleep, but if I woke up, instead of saying, Jesus is Lord, let me check what's the latest. There's so much noise. Before you wait, you cannot be filled. Before you wait, you cannot be filled. If you will not be, be patient in the presence of God, then you will not experience the feeling of the Holy Spirit. He goes where he's, in, he's invited. He says, but tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with 
power, which is the Greek word that means to be covered as with a wet blanket, which is an overwhelming presence of God's power. Now, it's interesting that he said the wet blanket because as a keen Bible student, you must ask yourself, why is it to be covered as with a wet blanket? Now, you know this from firefighting. If you, since you watch a lot of Netflix, now let me quote some Netflix because it seems quoting scriptures, I, I don't go so far. So let's quote some Netflix now. If you have watched some movies, you will realize that when, when there's a fire in a house, usually what you're advised to do is to take a wet blanket and put it on yourself. Because once you are covered with a wet blanket, what happens? The violence of the fire is quenched. Praise the Lord. Is somebody listening to me? Are you learning something already? And he says that wait until my presence comes upon you that will be able to quench the fires of this life. That it is my presence around you that is the victory. But if you're going to experience that victory, you must do what? You must wait. Now Peter stands and speaks and 3,000 are added unto them. Praise the Lord. And I asked God this morning at 2 a.m., it seems you have not yet done a work at a villa. Here it seems perhaps you're here, you're you are preparing to speak because I, I cannot yet count 3,000. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He said Peter spoke, 3,000 were added. Peter again spoke, 5,000. My goodness. In two speakings. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And now we see the church beginning to form. And he spoke, speaks about an empowered church. Now, what's interesting to the keen eye is they begin to meet in houses. And they are, they are breaking bread together. And they are sharing life together. They are literally living life together. And you begin to see that the church is not an organization. The church is not a religious institution, but it's a living organism, breathing. There's a heartbeat to the church, that the church is living and breathing. It is families, and it is stories, and it is testimonies, and it is victories, and it is challenges. That the church of Christ is a living, breathing organism. And it is now, in the book of Acts chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4, in its formative days. And the church is such a nebula, such an informative structure that they're just waiting, they are meeting in, in houses and they are meeting. They are, they are small enough to meet in homes and they are meeting for prayer and they are meeting for, for breaking of bread and they are meeting for worshiping God and they are just but what Proverbs call a feeble folk. That's important because when we begin to see then what they were up Against, you will get some little bit of clarity. Now, keep that in view. Enter Herod. Now, what is happening with Herod? It's interesting because at that time, what was happening is that Israel was overcome by the Roman Empire. Actually, much of the world was indeed and in fact overcame by the Roman Empire. Just the way the British, the, the British you know, the Britain tried to colonize the whole world. So the Roman Empire was bigger than the Rome itself. That was their spread of influence. In fact, one historian says that the size of the Roman Empire was about 5.8 million square kilometers. Now, to give you perspective, Kenya is about 580,000 square 
kilometers. Meaning Rome was, the Roman Empire was ten times the size of Kenya. Then another scholar says that at its height, the Roman army was 120 million strong. Kenya, to give you perspective, Kenya were 55 million. Meaning all of us are not enough to be there. The Roman Empire was not only strong, but it was also rich, influential, and braggadocious. Now the Roman Empire was putting his stamp on the Jews. And Herod was a king at the outpost. Yet, there were people praying. And there was a small group of people just in the house praying. That on one side was the power of the Roman Empire. But on the other side was a prayer of a feeble folk. Just few individuals. And God is saying that the power of prayer is so much that even such a mighty government has to bow on the power of prayer. That on the outside was the Roman government, but on the inside was a few believers stuck up in John Mark's house. Scripture says John, whose name was Mark, John Mark's house. They were there praying, about 20, 30 people, lifting up their voice in faith. And that if a believer can come and lift up his voice in faith, the world can begin to tremble. That the world can begin to open its doors. That the world can yield its fruit. That there is no challenge, no obstacle, no power too great. For the praying Christian. The prayer makes governments tremble. The prayer breaks every form of security. Now look at this. So now Rome is enforcing its influence on the people of God. And something begins to happen now. Herod says, let me take James. Acts chapter 12, and let me kill James. And he takes James and he kills him. And scripture says, and the Jews liked it. My God, my God. Have you ever been in a place where something happened to you and hate has just begun to let loose? Misery likes company. Even those people who you have not talked to for the last 10 years. I heard you lost your husband, baby. You can count on me. The devil is alive. And it's interesting because before James is taken captive by Herod, the church is meeting in small places. And the idea there is that our DNA is such that we always begin with small things. That is the DNA of the church. That it always looks small when it starts. That God, even the church that has now conquered the world, began as something that you could despise. Something that you could explain away. Something that you could ostracize. In fact and indeed, the church was ostracized from the synagogue by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were people non grata. These were the people who were actually called the people of the way. That they were even without name. That was a group. Somebody said, where are you going? I'm going to meet the people of the way. Which was very awkward at that time. And there were rumors that Jesus Christ died, resurrected, and showed himself to the disciples. And actually, these people believed it. And Herod is saying, what kind of strange men are these? In fact, Jesus almost caused a revolution. 
And now Herod is, a, is at a place where he is having contextual problems. On one end, he has to demonstrate to Caesar that he has things under control. But on the other end, he has a people who he does not understand. Their leader will died, but he resurrected, my goodness. He says, no problem, I will kill one. Because the one that resurrected, resurrected and went. So now let me catch one. I will catch James and I will slaughter him. That the church, one begins small. Have you despised your small business? God is saying this morning that even my church started small. That the DNA of us believers, we always start small. You always start like something that is irrelevant. And all of a sudden, you're taking the whole city that the business might not look like it right now. God is saying, begin to take the steps. Begin to take the steps consistently. And all of a sudden, there will be grace and enlargement. That for there to be enlargement, there has to be something to enlarge. Smallness. Praise the Lord. And I want to sound an encouragement this morning that if you are looking down on your business as a small thing, if you are looking down on the qualifications that are penned down on the scroll that you call your CV, today God is saying, don't despise the days of humble beginnings because in this kingdom, it always looks small until it becomes large. That is why when you look at this tent, you might think this tent is very small. Give us a few minutes. Praise, tell your neighbor, give the pastor a few minutes. Come on, tell the pastor, give him a few minutes. Just give us a few minutes. Give us a few minutes. Because we are about to turn this tent into the store of Mjambili. So he can be putting here the mics. Praise the Lord. That the kingdom of God, things begin small. And they look meager. Somebody said, I've just had marriage. I'm not so sure where we are. Things are not yet together. There's a lot that we have to figure out. All of our incomes are not balancing. It does not matter where you start. God is saying, start small. Do not despise the days of humble beginnings. Because I, the Lord, said I will not only enlarge and expand you, but in multiplication, I will multiply thee. Now you see that the dominant religion at that time was Jewish orthodoxy, which was in two divisions. Two divisions. Remember two divisions. You're in Bible class. Sadducees and Pharisees. Now, the difference between the Sadducees and Pharisees was their thinking and positioning on the things of God. Now, the Pharisees had accepted the supernatural. That they, their positioning in the things of God was such that they don't mind the supernatural. The challenge is that they were so focused on the supernatural that they lost natural relevance. And their focus was always about heaven and a heaven that is coming. When the disciple asks, asks Jesus, will you now set up your kingdom? Will you now cause me and my brother to sit on your right and on your left hand? That is the voice of Pharisaic teaching and Pharisaic thinking. The Pharisaic person is one who has delivered and believed the supernatural and has abandoned the natural. The challenge is you are living in a natural environment. God is saying, I want you to pray, but I also want you to get off your bed and go to work. God is saying, I want you to pray, but I also want you to obey the law. God is saying, you are not in heaven yet. You are on earth for earthly relevance. Oh, I know you heard me. I know you for earthly relevance. You are here, you want to run for politics. Stand up. Print some t-shirts. We have very good printers over here. Print some t-shirts. Go and get that thing. We are here for earthly relevance. 
you are here, you want to set up a business. Set up a business that will teach people how to build a multi-billion business. Earthly relevance. Those were the Pharisees. Heavenly focus, no earthly relevance. Sadducees, sad as you see them, one preacher said. And the problem of the Sadducees was commitment to the physical, but they denounced the supernatural. That the Sadducees said, you Pharisees, your problem is you're focused on heaven. The Sadducees said, All I can, the only thing that I can believe is that which I'm able to touch. And the Sadducees came from an aristocratic background. And they were always people of big names. And they had a lineage that you could trace. It was, they were very established families. Is what in today's word you call uh, old money. And their strength was not in the supernatural, but their strength was in what they can do. And God is saying this morning, you thought that you can enter it with your strength. You thought that you can enter it by the name you carry. He says you thought you can enter it by the kind of qualifications that you have carried. He says qualification is good, but there is a supernatural thing to this end. This is why Peter says we are a royal priesthood. That there's royalty on one side, kingship, dominance, earthly relevance, but there's priesthood on the other side. That the believer walks with two worlds, the spiritual and the physical. That is why I'll anoint my business proposal, but I will still submit the business proposal. I'll not keep the business proposal in the house and say, oh God, by the power of magic, the devil is a liar. I will anoint, but I will not give the CV alone. Neither will I push the qualifications on the CV. But I am moving naturally, supernaturally. And I am moving supernaturally, naturally. Oh God, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. That there is a duality, my goodness. You know, it is this Clint designing this thing to make sure I don't come down. But I was about to come exactly where you are. The challenge is the force of gravity. Okay. Now Herod has killed James. Herod has killed James. Now please, I want you to have two things. You know the way you multitask, right? You know multitask. You understand the multitasking for devices. I want you to think about what's happening with James and Peter. But I also want you to think about what's happening in the upper room where they are praying. Is that okay? So at one end, they, are shut, they have shut themselves up in John Mark's house. They are praying. On the other end, James is killed and Peter is about to be executed. In fact, let me read for you the scripture. Scripture says like this. And when he apprehended him, when he apprehended him, arrested him, what happened? He put him in prison. I'm in Acts chapter 12 verse 4. He put him in prison and delivered him for quantanions. That's KJV language. NIV says he basically put him under four guards of, of under four squads of four guards each. So Peter, my goodness, was guarded. He was not only arrested, but he was guarded by 16 guards. Then scripture says, you know, this is the binding to make sure. And now, if you study the scriptures, there is always this braggadociousness of the kingdom of darkness. Now let us see what your God will do. You know, but Jeremiah said, no problem. What you do, pour some water on the sacrifice. So it is now the devil's turn. And he said, uh -huh, Peter, we've captured you. But I'm not going to capture you because you're going to sneak. 
I know your God is very sneaky. So what you're going to do now is that I'm going to introduce not only four gods, but I'm going to give four squads of four gods. That is 16 gods in a prison to guard who? One man. Then scripture says here, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now Herod's tactic was this. He was not going to kill Peter privately. He wanted to kill him publicly. They wanted to say, okay, you say you believe on Jesus Christ. You say that he resurrected from the dead. No problem. I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to kill you publicly. Have you ever had a struggle that is public? Have you, had a, have you ever been in a place in your life where you had to have a public fight? I don't mind having an issue of blood privately. The problem is, once it is public, I become the woman with the issue of blood. That they are very fast to name who I am by my issue. This is the man whose marriage failed. You are the one whose business was auctioned. You are no longer the one who graduated from Kenya Poly. No! You are the one who... And God allows Peter to go through public annihilation. And it's painful because private struggle I can handle, oh God. Public persecution, I am not able to handle this. To be ostracized publicly is not only psychologically tormenting, but it is also destiny distracting. That the kind of tender care and love that I need to come out of a place where I struggle publicly is so difficult. But at the heat of battle, Jesus said, tell your neighbor, I love Jesus. Oh, I love him so much. Because he says, the enemy wanted you to have a public battle. No problem, I got you, baby. Because you are, I'm also going to beat him publicly. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Scripture says that he made a show of him publicly, having triumphed over them by the cross. That Jesus knows how to kick the devil. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That all of a sudden, it will be the woman who had the issue of blood. No longer the woman with the issue of blood. That it will no longer be he, that one who was called barren. You are now full of child. Because God is keen enough that after you have suffered a while, there is public victory. Public victory. Thank you, Jesus. He said, he makes a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There's an ostracizing that you've experienced. God is saying, don't worry. Let them do their best. Because afterward, I shall grant you the victory, but it shall be public. That the same way you cried, both publicly and privately, the same way I will ensure that when I come through, I am coming through publicly. It is a difficult thing to fight a public battle. And now Herod thinks he has Peter exactly where he wants him. He wants to execute him. And I want you to think like the Christians at that time because we have the advantage of the Bible. And now you are like, okay, I know, so you know, Pasi, I know what you're, you're about to say. You're about to say angels came and rescued him. But if you just calm down a bit, if you, if you just relaxed a bit and begin to think that these are the same people who laid their hands on Jesus 
and they killed him. These are the same people who laid their hands on James and slaughtered him. Now they have laid their hands on Peter. Now they have laid their hands on Peter. And it's Easter weekend. And on Monday morning, he is going to slaughter Peter publicly. And the believers said no. When Herod said, I'm about to slaughter him, the believers said, forget about it. When Herod said, I'm about to finish him, I'm about to decimate the church, I am about to blow your brains out, the believers said, you don't know what you're talking about. There is a power that we command that you do not see. There is a voice that we have that you cannot contain. And they shut themselves up. In, the, in fact, scripture says they shut themselves up. They didn't say it is in the morning or in the night. And scholars have argued that the believers came to a place where they said, if we die, we die. We're now going to make a prayer. And if God be God, Peter must come out. Have you ever been in a place where you had to make fervent prayer? Please bring back my James chapter 5 verse 16. Fervent prayer. Fervent prayer is not auspicious, Father. You who resurrected from the dead, let me be updating my... Father, you know, even, even you, you know I'm praying. Amen. Fervent prayer is not, oh God, the pastor said we can pray anywhere we are. Let me pray as I go to work. You're there praying. Your heart is somewhere else where you're going. Your mind is occupied by the activities of the day. That is not fervent prayer. Fervent prayer is when it has your heart. That it has the attention of your mind. Look at this. Huh. Go to part B. Part B, yes. Go to part B. Go to part B. Let me digress a bit. You know, in those days when we were a bit younger, for you guys, you don't understand because many people here on Netflix and so on, we used to get a movie and we used to have VHS, which were like big black things, eh? cassettes. You can use it as a weapon now. If your landlord comes in, you just throw it on his face. This is hard to miss because of the volume of sheer black matter. This thing was made from recycled plastic. Very hard, very hard. But it's not this soft plastic for, for toothbrush. Eh? The real thing. And what would happen is you would move, you'd, you'd go and take the movie called Rambo, for example. Now, you take Rambo, it's 50 bob. But what the movie guy didn't tell you is that this is pate. Eh? Now you reach a place when Rambo is about to take revenge. Says insert part B. Ah! like, man. So I wanted part B of the scripture. Confess your faults. <laughs> you know, TBN preachers have drama, yeah? Confess your faults one to another. Pray one for the other. That they may, the effectual fervent prayer. Where is the amplified that we downloaded this morning? Please, put it on the amplified. When they put their hands on Peter, believers were like, no, 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 no. Not this time. You slaughter James, eh? You're not going to slaughter this one. Now, the thinking is, you thought they would go and take arms and begin to organize some military, military answer or to begin as far as resources they was concerned, they were out-resourced. As far as numbers were concerned, they were outnumbered. As far as positioning, this was the so-called minor religion of the day because the, 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 the dominant religion was what? Jewish Orthodoxy, Pharisees, Sadducees. Christians were ostracized. In fact, they said, if you believe in Jesus, don't even come to the synagogue. 
these guys are not only disadvantaged in the state, but they're also disadvantaged among their own. That among Christians, they are also the least. You remember this servant of God who said, you know, my family is the least, and among my family, I am the least, etc. That was the positioning now. And Herod was braggadocious and thumping his bind and saying, there is no way on earth. I've even put 16 guards. But the believer said, oh no, the effectual fervent prayer. Look at this, the earnest, which is heartfelt, 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 that if your heart is not involved. Now, <laughs> I have you exactly where I want you. Exactly where I want you. Exactly where I want you. Somebody said, Baby, why don't you be my girlfriend? Baby says, my heart is not yet there. That if your heart is not yet there, you will not receive the invitation. But you can open your mouth to pray when your heart is not there. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Let me say that again. Baby, be my girlfriend. Today. Baby says, no. Why? My heart is not yet there. Heartfelt. Let me give you another example. Have you ever received news? And after receiving news, tears jumped out of your eye. That you could, there was no decorum again. That you are seated in your office. You get a phone call. You listen to the phone call. And those phone calls usually, uh, uh-huh, um. Then you just do this. And tears come out. It is because the news grabbed your heart. Your, attempt, your whole being was there. And if it was lunchtime, you know what will happen? Appetite is gone now. No lo you no longer want to eat. Because it has grabbed your heart. It is not, I'll deal with that later. It is something that literally, it's like a bomb explodes in your world. And you do not know what to do anymore. Says the heartfelt, continued deals with persistence and consistency that the nature of prayer is not, oh, God bless the world, bless my family, amen. Thank you, Jesus. No, 1,000 times no. That prayer that is fervent is continued. They shut themselves up in the, in the room and they were praying with only one objective. Peter must be, must be set free. Peter must be set free. Now, let me give some, 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 let me say, psychological analysis of the text because in order for us to truly receive what God is talking about, then we have to properly compensate history with psychology. What was the mind of them? Now, remember this, that this is a church that is a baby church. This is a church that has just been born. Now think of it like this. That you get born. Then your mom says bye bye. Do your best. I'm out of here. And you see him go. By the clouds. That was Jesus. The church has just been birthed. Then he says okay. Bye. I'm with you always. Don't fear. In this world you'll have tribulation. I'm coming back. See ya. Baby church. Then he says, don't worry, I have Peter here. Peter is the rock. Huh? So Peter the rock says, this is Peter, the rock upon which I'll build my church. Speaks 3,000. Speaks 5,000. Peter arrested. And Herod says, I'll slaughter him on Monday morning. And you come to a place where you now begin to experience 
separation, attention, disorder. And that's the disorder that occurs in children. And it occurs in children because children, every time the parent retreats, the child thinks that the parent has abandoned it. And it occurs in adults also. But how it occurs in adults is that when you experience something that you had experienced before, and now you experience it again, that God, I called unto you, and I got a miscarriage. And now I'm pregnant again. But oh God, I don't know if I can go, I can go through it this time anymore. There's a fear that I might miscarry again. God, last year my business was closed. I got the faith. I've started again. But now, separation, attention, disorder is upon you because you begin to wonder, will it happen again? Will my business be happen, will happen again? Will my business be closed down again? And there is a disabling environment and it feels like you are unable to take the steps. This is where the church was. That Jesus was, was killed. He resurrected, he went. Fine. Now James slaughtered and now they have put their hands on Peter. And God is saying, every time anxiety knocks your door, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall guard. And that before I answer your prayer, I'll break the neck of anxiety. That anxiety will not be permitted to be in your house. And this is where the believers are. And they are praying. And they are praying. And they are speaking in tongues. And they are praying. And they are pushing. And it is fervent prayer. It is violent prayer. One author said that this prayer, this is not the first time such a prayer was made. This is actually the second time. The first time this prayer was made was when Jeremiah was praying for him. And Bible says that he went to the caves. Praise the Lord. Tell your neighbor, you need to have a place to go. There are prayers which you can make in your car. There are prayers which you can make in the sitting room while eating pizza. But there are prayers where you have to lock the door and you have to take a position. Scripture says that he, he knelt down. Actually, if you look at the original Greek, it doesn't talk about kneeling down like you're receiving sacrament in a Catholic church. No, he took the position of a woman who's giving birth in the bush. And he began to groan. And he said, I know my God answers. And as I make my prayer, I'll have a servant here whose work is to go and check. Is God answering? That fervent prayer expects a move of God. That the expectation of fervent prayer is that I pray so much and I believe that God will do it. It is a prayer that has my mind. It's a prayer. It is so intense that it has my body. There's a posture I must take. That prayer is what they're talking about here. And scripture said, and then the servant came and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's feet. And he rejoiced. So the believers are here. They are praying. They are praying. Now remember side B, Peter is in the cells. Peter is sleeping. Ask your neighbor. There's something wrong here. Peter is sleeping. Now, the challenge is you have the advantage of the text. But I want you to get into the story with me because 
You are beautiful Bible scholars. I want you to jump into the story with me. Peter is surrounded by 16 guards. He doesn't know what is happening. He is sleeping. One author said that was the demonstration of the strongest faith because that which was supposed to keep him awake all night, because of the faith in God, he was in prison but chilling. Have you ever seen those people who when they receive an email of first warning letter, the whole world must now stop? Can you imagine they gave me a warning letter? Me. And you enter into, I need counseling. I need, I need, I need counseling. I need counseling. Why didn't you come for church? No, 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 no. I need, I, need, I, need, I need a break. I need a holiday. Peter is in prison. God's on the left side. God's on the right side. He is snoring, man. That trust in God gives us the privilege to sleep while in trouble. And this is not the first time. This is not the first time. Let me demonstrate. Let me demonstrate. Let me demonstrate. Let me demonstrate this. You remember when hell and high water had broken loose and there was a storm that was about to swallow the, the discipleship? What was our Lord Jesus doing? Peter is a good student. He said, I've seen my master do this before. <laughs> oh, God. That sometimes I don't have to catch her saying, landlord, die now. Die now. I bury you. I bury you. I bury you. I bury you. I bury your collection agents. I bury auctioneers. That you can go to sleep and say, the devil is a liar. I'm in trouble, but I'm asleep. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm in trouble, but I'm in asleep. Now, I want you to have a movie mind. And people here are rickety, rickety, father, fire. Fire for fire. Slash Herod's head. By the Herod died in chapter 13. Kill him. Break his teeth. These are the, David, the prayers David used to make. Lord, cause their women to abort. Those were the prayers of David. He says, Father, cut their legs. Not kill them. Cut their legs so that they can't run again. Confuse them. He says, Lord, give me strength to jump over them like a high wall. Those were the prayers that were happening there. Peter is sleeping. Now, sometimes you're making prayer, but you don't know what's happening on the other room. That you can be saying, Father, for fire, for fire. But you don't see what you're praying for. Maybe you're trusting God for breakthrough in media. The people who are deciding on your business, you're not, you're not, you're not in view of what's happening in that room. But pray anyway. It looks like there's no results, but pray Anyway, I want to think that this was Friday. Monday is being killed because this was Easter weekend now. Friday they are praying. He's going to be slaughtered. And they're praying and they're praying. And they're not moving. But they're not seeing what is happening. And prayer that is fervent is a prayer that is not motivated by results. Remember Luke chapter 18. He said that this woman would come every day and say, oh judge, give me my judgment. He would go, she, she would Get out of here. Should come again. Oh, judge, give me my judgment. Oh, judge, give me my judgment. Give me my judgment. Then the judge said, and this was Jesus teaching about prayer. The judge said, because of her importunity, I will grant her a request. That prayer that is effective, prayer that is fervent, is not result-oriented. It's not motivated. It's not the more the answer is, the prayer is answered, the more you're excited. No! And I will demonstrate shortly that they went so deep into fervent prayer that when the answer came, they didn't know. 
In fact, the damsel Rhoda says, Peter is on the door. They say it is not true. He's the angel of Peter. Eh? Because you don't understand Herod. Herod is a serious man. Herod is a rugged man. Don't play with Herod. There is no way, fervent prayer, that the impossibility was high, but the prayer was as high. Oh God, will you lift up your voice today and begin to pray and raise a prayer altar in your house. May you be called a man of prayer. There's a guy who was called John Knox in the United States of America. In fact, people say, if you read about God's generals and prayers, that even the president of the U.S. said, whatever you do, don't cross John Knox. His prayers are dangerous. His prayers are dangerous. And they are praying. Now, they get the breakthrough. And they don't know. The angel of the Lord appears into the prison. That is called cause and effect. My brothers who preach a lot of grace can't agree with that. They will say it was God. No, it was the prayer that released the angel. Because scripture said when they were praying, then the angel came. They, remember James was slaughtered. I want to make an argument here that James was slaughtered because they were not praying. And sometimes God will allow us to go into some issues and messes that will drive us to our knees. And this time, the believers knew what to do. And as they were praying, the angel appeared not where they were praying. The angel appeared where the prayer point was. Ay, 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 ay. The angel appeared where the prayer point was. And scripture says he tapped. Thank you, Jesus. He tapped Peter. Say, Peter, get up. KJV says, dress up. Can you imagine? I hate the devil. That not only is he in prison, but he's also naked. Says, Peter, put on your clothes. Guard yourself. Meaning, some strength in the inside. The other guys are still pushing. They are praying. Kankara, Kankara. God here is already working. Do they have visibility? No. But pray anyway. That means the day I stop praying is the day I have received my own Peter. Before I see Peter is a signal from heaven to continue praying. And the angel appeared. I don't summarize because we are out of time. And the angel appears, tells him dress up, guard yourself up. They go through the first door. Now it's interesting because remember Herod said, if I put two guards, there's a chance that they'll be asleep. Let me double that to four. Okay, let's assume that one of them got sick or something happened. Let's double that to eradicate the probability of sleeping, the probability of desertion, the probability of exhaustion. And just to ensure that I slaughter this man on Monday morning, let's double that again. Because when warfare comes, it doesn't come to play. Warfare does not come to give you a hug. Somebody say when it rains, it pours. They had revelation. They are coming on every side. And their agenda is to take you out. And the angel holds Peter up. And they walk through the first. And they walk through the second. Now I want to show you something very interesting here. Scripture said, and they came to the iron gate. Now, the first door, if you studied in the original Greek, because the New Testament was written in Greek, when you look at the, the, it's like they translated in the first door. Translated in the second one. Now Herod says, I know you are tricky. I'm, I'm going to put an iron door. To ensure this, your translations, let's see where this happens now. So there's an iron door. That's the third barrier. And scripture says, 
when they came to the iron door, the door opened by itself. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. The door opened. Now, if you're on this side of things, the door is opening by itself. Peter is sleeping. Angel comes. Door opens. But if you're on this side of things, People are taking it seriously. Guys are pacing around. People are lifting up their voice. Oh God, we are trusting you for the life of Peter. Oh God, break the hands of Herod. Oh God, confuse the guards. Oh God, open the iron door. So on this side of things, it's miracles. On this side of things, it is pushing. So on one side is a prison, on the other side is prayer. One side is a miracle, the other side is fervent prayer. In this kingdom of God, we gain the ascendancy by effective, fervent prayer. The Bible says two more things. That after Peter was out, the angel disappeared. Because delivery might be miraculous. But the Christian work is by faith. So he exits. Because you know, you know my say, oh angel, no, I have some more work for you. You have removed me from the jail, no issue. I have other deals I want to deal with. No. The work is by faith. You will not escape, eh? The work is by, the delivery might be by miracle, but the work by faith. He quickly disappears. And then scripture says that Peter went to John Mark's house where the prayer was. And God is saying, that delivery upon delivery, miracle upon miracle, should push you further in my house and not at home. And some of us, once we get the blessing, that is when we come, we go home. And we say, you know, I can't come to church early because on Sunday morning is the only time I have to run errands. This is the only time I have to go and fuel the car that God gave you, which you prayed for. This is the only time that I can go and uh, take my suits to the laundry, which you prayed for. You, you showed up to God, you couldn't even spell suit very well. If you came from Nyanza like Pastor Doc, you even said suit. Somebody would think you want to suit them. Now the Lord has blessed you and you're like, I don't have time for serving. Eh? We are very busy. On Monday we are very busy. We are very busy. Very busy. We are going through a series A. We are very busy, very busy. We are going through, you know, right now, this is the tax season. This is in audit season. People are in audit. This is audit season. We don't have time to pray. The devil is a liar. Peter went back to John Mark's house where the prayer was. Praise the Lord. He didn't go to his house. He went where the victory was. And God is saying this morning to you that never forget the source of your victory. Never forget. If you can forget everything else, never forget the source of your victory. Don't be Pharisaic. That you're waiting for God to move alone because you're too supernatural. Don't be sad you say that you want to push with your own strength and you, want, you don't have space for God. But have space for God. Make your prayer, but also push on your side. And God's people said, Amen. Now lift up your hands. You can sit down, you can stand. I'll request you to stand. I want the worship team to join me on stage as we begin to close. And I want us to pray now and say, God, teach us to pray. This is it. I just want us to teach us to pray. We are raising a church here that is known as a church. One of our brands as Rivers Church is a church of prayer. We pray every Friday. We have a Kesha every Friday. Every Friday without miss, we are praying. And on Sunday morning, your pastors are up to pray for you. This is a praying church. And we want you now to open up your mouth 
and say, oh God, teach me to pray. Give me a heart of prayer. Cause me to be found on my knees. On my knees for my family. On my knees for my workplace. On my knees for this country. That God can count on you as a man of prayer. That you'll be found on your knees for your marriage. You shall be found on your knees for your family. That you shall be found on your knees even for this church. Now lift up your voice and say, oh God, release what the scripture says called the spirit of supplication. God, we pray today, the Father, you are raising men and women in this church who will be possessed with the spirit of supplication. That on Monday, oh God, we shall take time and lift up our voices to heaven. And on Tuesday and on Wednesday, oh God, that Papa, we shall be a people who wake up early in the morning and make our intercession for you. That this is the last day we are living a prayerless life in the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to trust to your God that you are causing us to enter into a season of prayer into a season somebody lift up your voice like you believe it into a season of prayer I can't hear you church I can't hear you church lift those voices up and say oh God that I shall be found in my generation as a man of prayer I shall be found in my generation as a woman of prayer men and women who make things happen men and women who command this world men and women who stop governments on their feet. Yes, 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 yes. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Lift those voices up. Lift those voices up. Come on, just study with me for one more minute. Just for one more minute, somebody. Jesus, we give you the praise. Jesus, we give you the glory. Jesus, we give you the glory. Oh, Jesus, we give you the glory. Jesus, we give you the glory. Somebody lift up your voice. Thank you, Father, for my life. Thank you for my family, oh God. Thank you because you're causing my name to be the man of prayer. You're causing my name to be a woman of prayer. You're causing my name to be a believer of prayer. In the name of Jesus, we sound a warning in our lives today. That Lord and Lord and Lord, we will never again be those that slumber. We will never again be those that sleep. We will never again be those that are passive in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus Lord we lift up our voices today in the name of Jesus lift those hands up one more time 30 more seconds 30 more seconds oh God oh God oh God Father in the name of Jesus Lord we give you the praise Lord we give you the praise Thank you, Jesus. There is no one else like you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Bless your name. This is the last day you're passive about your life. Never again will you be passive. In the name of Jesus. That as the pastors... And the ministers on this pulpit hold their hands to pray for you every Friday. As we wake up in the morning at, at, at 1 a.m. on Sunday morning to pray for you, you will join your faith with ours. And we will believe God to break every anxiety. We will believe God to break every challenge. 
We will believe God to break every difficulty, to break every chain, to break every mountain, to break every issue, to break every health challenge in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me. I will not be passive ever again with my prayer life. I am an effective, efficient prayer warrior. My name is effective prayer. Come on, say that like you believe it. My name is effective prayer. I am given to fervent prayer. Come on, if you believe it, clap those hands. Come on, if you believe it. Come on, church. If you believe it, clap those hands. Clap those hands. Clap those hands. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's have our seats as we begin to close. I want to collect the tithe. You are here and you want to give your tithe. I want you to stand up because we are going to pray for you. The tithe as prayer. I have never seen a church that gives like this church. Because I have said and said severally that there is no minister in this church, no pastor in this church who has come here to take anything. If anything, we are the biggest givers in this room. Now, of course, I want to demonstrate some things. Can you imagine? This church is such full of givers. People like Amu, for example. Amu, can you stand up? I know I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't plan him to do this. But you see all this. Are you seeing all these lights? This is in hundreds of thousands of shilling in investment. These lights belong to him. We, this guy gave these lights. We, could have, we would be here looking like a pond instead of rivers. You know we call rivers church. This could be the pond church. Um, look at this. This, is, this young man, praise the Lord. Look at this sound over here. Of course we spent millions buying sound here. But it is not enough. Mbaji, you see that guy called Mjabili. He's paying for these things. As, right now as I'm speaking, this is Mbaji's money. This is his cash. Almost 40k we spend on these things every Sunday. This is Mbaji. This guy over here. People are giving. I told you the other day how Pastor Elvis came and said, you people, you want chandeliers? I will relax. I will show you chandeliers. Praise the Lord. So we are raising a giving church over here. The spirit of stinginess must be broken. I know you heard me. The spirit of stinginess must be broken. And as your pastor, I want to make another declaration. Every room you enter, you're the greatest giver. I said every room. Listen. There are restaurants you should enter and waiters start smiling. Because they know today the bill and the tip is just the same. That is who we are. Praise the Lord. I kid you not. I, ki I mean, I kid you not. I kid you not. One day if I, if I have the privilege of hosting you, you will see the restaurants we go to. When they see us, they smile. Because they know today, bill, tip is the same. We are raising here, give us. Tell your neighbor, give us. So if you are here, you, want, you have your tithe, stand up boldly. Be excited about it. We are giving to God. It is time to give. Our, it is an exciting time. So you are here. You want to give tithe. Please stand up on your feet. We're going to pray for you. Malachi chapter 3 verse 10. Because that is what God told us about tithe. Praise the Lord. If you are here, you want to give your tithe. Stand up, please. Now, there are many of us. You know, the river. I'm telling you, this church is strange. So when you observe... Oh, you don't like talking about money? Ah, we will talk about it. Eh? So if you observe our pay bill, eh? if you just sat down on Monday and on Tuesday, somebody said, this pastor has nothing to do. He's observing the pay bill. No, we have an accounting department eh, that does this and does reporting. So if you look at our pay bill, you find giving on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday. Actually, giving happens the whole time. 
Clap your for yourselves. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That is why you can come to church and remove your feet properly. You know, enjoy the carpet. Why? Because of your giving. It is for ministry. So you're here. You want to give your tithe. I said all that to say this, that you can give it today. You know, being end month, maybe you want to give it on Monday or on Tuesday. You can save those details and we will trust the Lord with you. So Father, we thank you for every tithe in this house. Thank you because you have told us that bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that they be meet in my house and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now lift up your hands and receive the blessing. Father, we speak this blessing that you're opening up a window of heaven today and you're causing there to be a blessing that cannot be received there will not be room enough for these ones that are tithing today in the name of Jesus. Thank you because you have said in your word that you will rebuke the devourer on their sake. Never again shall their income be devoured in the name of Jesus. Never again shall their businesses be devoured in the name of Jesus. Lord, we rebuke the devourer today in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Please have your seats. Clap for our tithers. Come on, clap for them. Clap for them. They are faithful. They are diligent. We are encouraging them. I remember there's a time in my life where I used to give God 40%, 40%. I would receive 1,000 shillings and say, well, glory to God, this is 600 shillings. And I would smile with a lot of thanksgiving because I know that my Redeemer liveth. Praise the Lord. And I believe I receive it. There is no, there is no room where I'm not the biggest giver. So these things we're talking about are things that we are doing, practicing, believing, and seeing the results. Now, the giving teaching is coming shortly. If you're here, you want to give your offering, please stand up on your feet. We want to pray the book of Luke upon your life. Scripture said that you shall receive exceedingly abundantly above. So stand up with your offering. That is the rest of us, all of us. Now, if you're not able to give, just sit down because I have a prayer for you also. Amen. Because God called us for you. This is why we, God has called us to change that situation. Praise the Lord. Okay. Praise the Lord. Let me speak slowly. You see, there's a misunderstanding of the word pastor. People think pastor are people who shout on pulpits and collect offering and make themselves, themselves fat. No. God has called us to be your solution. Praise God. Uh -huh. Jesus said when he ascended on high, he gave some to be what? Apostles. Some to be prophets. Some to be evangelists. Others to be what? Pastors and teachers. Why? for the edification of their body. And those of us who are not able to give, we were there also. I, there are many Sundays I went to church and I had nothing to give God. But God saw my heart and God removed and changed my situation. And we're going to pray that God will give you something to give. Now, for those of us who are giving offering, please give your offering. Father, we thank you because you've told us in your word that those that are generous give us those that are cheerful givers, you love them, oh God. Because the Lord loves a cheerful giver. And therefore, Lord, today we pray, we believe we receive exceedingly, abundantly, above that which they can imagine or think in the name of Jesus. We declare a blessing upon them that as they partner with you in this work at Rivers Church, Lord, you shall, call, you shall cause their bands to be full and you shall cause them even to have the increase in the name of Jesus. Have your seats. Just give with a spirit of excellence. 
Now, those who have not been able to give, don't even stand. Church, I want us to pray. There is nothing as painful as being unable to provide for yourself. Those of us who have been, have, have been can I be real? Can I be real, guys? It is very difficult that you, 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 let me say this lightly. Now you're passing KFC, and all you can say is, I passed KFC. Eh? Daryl, you're passing KFC. You want to enter inside also, is it not? Or you want to take selfie with KFC. This is only the only thing. There's nothing as painful as being unable to provide for yourself, to provide for your family. But God breaks the curse of poverty, and God gives men the means through opportunities, through networks, Hallelujah. The, last week we just received news that Pastor, Pastor Samson, go, please stand up. I want you to see the things of God. How, 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 the, how the things of God. This man here, he's sitting here very humble, always posting Mercedes Benz on his, uh, on his status, ETC, and driving uh, vehicles from Japan and trusting God for the big trip. And just the other week, God says, come to Dubai. We want you now to become a general manager of a company he has no qualification for. That is his own test. Is that how you clap for the things of God? That is his own testimony. Can you imagine? And then the devil introduces an obstacle, which we are dealing with right now. But be that as it may, open doors. That is how God works. Our Father can move us from a place of deficit to a place of surplus. And there are many testimonies over here. So as a church, I want you now to lift up your voice and pray for anybody in this place who is not in a good place financially, we are trusting God for the victory. We are trusting God for opportunities. God will give you ideas. You will begin to move by faith, start businesses, get careers. It doesn't matter where you are. I preach today so powerfully about being starting small. That's our DNA. We always start small. The hand, Jeremiah said, that we saw a cloud the size of a man's hand. It can look like this qualification that you have can never achieve anything. But trust me, that qualification, you, faith, prayer, and God is all you ever need. Now lift up your voice for your brothers and sisters and say, oh God, we are thanking you for networks in the name of Jesus. Lord, we are thanking you for acceleration in the name of Jesus. Each and every one of us here today who is unable to give, oh God, we want to speak open doors. Open doors in business. Opportunities, oh God, in career. In the name of Jesus, that whatever breakthrough they need, Lord, you who is God of the harvest, do it for them. In the name of Jesus, that as they have been faithful to come to your house, let them come back with a testimony. In the name of Jesus. Lord, we want to proclaim as the men of God of this house that, Father, this is the last time they are in deficit. In the name of Jesus that as your believers in the book of Acts, today we join our faith and we decree and declare that they are entering into their abundance. Oh God, even for the glory and honor of your name. Thank you because you're opening doors for them. Thank you because you are raising men for them. Thank you because oh God, you are giving them the victory in the marketplace. In Jesus' precious name. May you come back with a testimony. Come on, just cap for God. Thank you for sticking into the end. We hope you are blessed by this message. Follow us for more of these messages when new episodes drop and make sure to rate us so that more people can find out about us. Bye-bye.